Welcome to the podcast Game Changers with Jeff Newkirk, formerly known as Understandable Solutions. I'm your host, Jeff Newkirk. Hey, today on the Game Changers podcast, I've got human resources expert, Mr. Darren Coble. Now, I've known Darren for a while now, and he comes to us truly as an expert in the field. And one of the questions I get from business owners quite often is, how in the world can we attract good people? How can we keep good people? And what are we going to do about this labor market? So I know Darren has many answers, and I know he's going to bring us lots of wisdom this morning on the podcast. So Darren, welcome. Great to have you here. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. So reading a little bit about your background, one thing that's intriguing now, 20 years, of course, in human resources, lots of leadership uh, in your background, but you earned the nickname Sluggo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us about Sluggo. Sluggo was, uh, I was working in the oil field and, um, you know, oftentimes the, uh, the operation side of the house will give an oil field name. And so I was working in a oil and gas company that had just recently, it was 2014. And that's when the bottom fell out of the, the industry again, you know, it's a roller coaster ride yeah. in oil and gas. And so this company had been pretty fortunate and been on an upswing for a long time. And so it never mm -hmm. had to really face adversity as it related to price drops. Okay. And so I was working with uh, senior leaders in an operation side of the house, exploration production, and then also operations. We had a drilling company and a frack company and, Okay. Lead the HR organization for that side of the house. And um sounds like a pretty tough job. Yeah, it was busy. You know, mm -hmm. we we had probably uh, over fifteen hundred employees in the group that I supported with my team. And I was working with the senior vice president and and his leadership team of that organization. And okay. So the um one of the vice presidents, he is a very tenured in the oil and gas field. Mm -hmm. And I'm as an HR guy, I, I get to know the business really well. Right. And so I, I was really pushing for some significant change in the organization and I just wouldn't let go. And That's so, against a, a guy that had been in the industry for a long time. A long time. And I'd so, worked in manufacturing. It was a tall order. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. And I'd worked in manufacturing all of my career. So a lot of my examples were, you know, we used to do this in manufacturing or mm -hmm. some things that I remember seeing or that we we worked that we could probably apply here and drive some efficiencies. And um, Was this in Texas? Yeah, this okay. was in yep. Texas. Okay. And, and my um, this one leader, he just looked at me one day and he was like, you're just sluggo. And I just, I just looked at him and I said, I don't even know what that means. And, uh, I knew there was, there was this, uh, it was a compliment or an insult. I had but, no idea, you know? no idea what to think, but he was just boxing like, gloves. Yeah, or, you know, that's exactly it. And, and that was kind of what he, he said, he's like, you're like the kid that goes to the baseball field, dragging your baseball bat, ready for a fight, never willing to to give up or lose the game. And then whenever the game's over, you're, you're dusted up, dragging your bat back home and just your sluggo. And so. I love the nickname. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know yeah, that, but. I wear it with pride. Yeah. I, I'm going to call you sluggo from now on. <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a badge of pride. Um, just, just, I bring tenacity to what I do and I bring a, a strong business experience and business background. And so I like to bring that into the world of HR and, uh, it took, it took some leaders some time to adjust to that type of a presence, but. Yeah. Well, now you've transitioned to your, to your own business, Versa BP. So Versa business partners. Yeah. And, uh, how's that going? 
It's good. It's good. You know, it's been a roller coaster ride. I launched in January of 2020. So timing is one of my great, great aspects of uh, life. If you can't make it during the pandemic, man. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I started in, in fall of 2019. So I'm right, th right there with you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just got lucky. But basically, Versa Business Partners, I started in my career through HR knowing that I wanted to be a consultant and executive coach when I grew up. I always thought that was my retirement plan. And, um, you know, just after working in oil and gas for about five years, just got really worn down. It was through the, through the downturn industry. It really was. And, um, and so I was just miserable. And my wife looked at me one day and just said, you're miserable. You can't continue to be miserable at home. It's, it's not working. You can't bring it home anymore. You need to yeah. figure out what you're going to do. And did some soul searching, and and one day she just looked at me and she was like, you know, you've always said you wanted to consult and and coach. Why don't you just do that now? And so move my retirement plan up, um, without the without the retirement in place. <laughs> but, right. Um, but ended up launching my own consulting firm in practice and learning how to be an executive coach. And uh, that just quickly grew into an outsourced HR business, HR consulting business. And then for fun, I, I do executive coaching on the side. And, and it really is fun. I mean, I have a executive coaching business as well. And uh, the impact that you can make on people is just so rewarding and satisfying. And I, I know from experience working with you, you're, you're an awesome coach. Thank you. So yeah, yeah thanks for everything that. you're doing. Um, so HR, what a complicated world that is right now. You know, the world of human resources. Mm -hmm. Define for us though, what exactly is human resources and what is all included in that? Yeah, I like to break HR down into two two sides of a house. You've got the back office part of the house that basically is the operation side. So that's your payroll, your benefits, your HRIS or HR information system, yeah. especially the technology that, that stores all the data about the employee base. Okay. And they're there to deliver all of the HR solutions that employees expect and, and deserve to have benefits, you know, making sure that payrolls run and on time and, and, and efficiently so that everybody's paychecks are right. And um, so it's really the the necessary. Well, I guess it's all necessary, but that without the the operations side of HR, you don't really have a company. No, you don't. And to be honest with you, they're really underappreciated out there. They're, I was actually, just going to say that <laughs> it takes a lot of work to get everything done and get it done right and well, and to provide the right benefits and take care of the employees the way that they deserve to be taken care of. Right. And so, um, you know, you can fit talent acquisition into that bucket. You can fit a lot of the different functions in HR into that back office support that a lot of work gets done that nobody really even understands or appreciates. And then you've got the front of the house, which is the HR generalist side or the HR business partners. And that's the client facing and client interacting group. And that's where I grew up in my career. Was to me, HR that sounds like partners. the more fun side of HR, but it's probably more challenging because you're dealing with people. You are dealing with people. I, I think that what I've learned, especially as of late after launching my business to where I actually had a, a an arm of the business that was doing a lot of the HR operations is there are people that love it and man, they're really good at it. Yeah. And so if you find the right operations folks and, and the HR side, they're going to make sure that everything runs well and runs like a machine. Mm -hmm. And And those people are hard to find. And so... Uh, I guess you know one of the things we're probably going to talk about is how hard to find people. Yeah, it, it is yeah. as a whole. But, right, uh, right. It is. 
But yeah, the the HR business partner side, it's just where I thrive. And it, it's a lot of coaching. It's a lot of counseling. And, and you know, sometimes we get into the corrective action side of the house, but um, mostly it's just yeah. administering the programs that the back office helps build talent, performance management, talent management, succession planning, those kinds of things that the front side of the office gets to do. And mm-hmm. and we, we get, you know, a lot of the glory because we're administering plans or administering things that the back of the house has built. And so we um what i thrived on was really partnering with leaders and helping them understand their business a little bit more and helping them interpret the business to their people and so now that's that's an interesting aspect because i'll bet there are many cases that uh leadership uh ownership of the company they don't always align or really have that necessary productive relationship with their staff yeah, you run into it. You know, a lot of times there's a disconnect. There is. And oftentimes, you know, one of the old sayings that we always had is your best engineer doesn't make your best engineering manager. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen is you may have a technical expert that's just amazing, amazing at what they do. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes leadership looks at them to say, hey, let's yeah. promote this guy. Yeah, the best to promote the this person. Yeah. And I've seen situations where that leader had, or that leader had no desire to be a leader. And right. so that's, that's usually a hiccup that happens. And, and that's where leadership's not having the right conversations with their people, understanding what they want to be when they grow up and help and develop them. Um, just put the wrong person, in the wrong seat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. But they're really great at what they do. Just mm-hmm. keep them in that role where they thrive and enjoy it. Yeah. You know, maybe don't promote them. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes business owners, small business owners are, mid-sized owners that I've worked with, they're just running so hard to try and keep the wheels on the bus. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just crazy what you deal with as a small business owner. I mean, you can attest to this. It's, yeah. it's wild, especially in times like today with the economy and politics and everything else going on. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but so- wait to have a, a day where we actually have some stability. Maybe we might never see it. I don't know. No, no, I don't know. I mean, I think that's one thing that working with people is you get used to, you get used to adversity and yeah. and stability comes whenever you've got a really great culture built and it, it kind of manages itself. But small, small to mid-sized business owners oftentimes don't have time to really think about the culture or think about the people. Yeah. They've just got to hire the best they can around them. Right, right. So before we get into bringing on people and how hard it is to find good workers these days, what are what's one situation as you reflect back over your career and you've had a lot of successes what is one situation that sort of rises to the top as the most rewarding or satisfying to you? Yeah, I think I'd have to go back to early in my career. I was about four to five years into my career and took a job in a gray iron foundry up in Amarillo, Texas. And okay. that the plant manager in the role, so the top person in that facility, was running a $60 million business with about 150 to 200 employees. And when I came in, so good, really a good sized business. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was meaty. And mm-hmm. she had, she had started out as a forklift driver 30 years ago and made wow. her way up to where she's running the, running the entire plant. And this is a situation where the company was really at dire straits on finding the right person to do the job. And they felt she could do the job. And when I got there, I realized very quickly that she could do the job, but really didn't necessarily want to do the job. 
And so, you know, it was really rewarding for me because I was able to help partner with the senior leader of operations, with the, the global VP of operations, and with the plant manager to kind of help her along and work with her to develop the develop the plant and and get the operations running smoothly how they needed mm-hmm. to. So I got to put kind of an operations hat on. And and that's one thing that I've been passionate about. I grew up in a sock factory. Yeah, in North Carolina? In North Carolina, yeah. So I've always been around manufacturing facilities and have just really, really loved how things get made. And, um, and uh, that foundry was one of the one of the peaks of my career in the sense that I got to put the operations hat on, partner with that plant manager, work with her through the adversity that we were going through at that time. It was early, it was 2009. And so just coming out of the, the recession there and, and yeah, just working with through that. And so... I got to help lift her up. I got to really interact with senior operations leaders and kind of build credibility as an operations brained HR person. And that's kind of what I built my career off of from there. Awesome. So one of the things that seems to be sort of a, a repeating theme with you is that you really get in the trenches. Like you you know the business. You you really get to know the people that are involved. It's not like you just sit back in the uh, HR office you know, in the ivory tower, so to speak, and, you know, let everything happen elsewhere. You are in the trenches. Yeah. And I think that makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, it's it's what I've built my career off of. Um, I'm a business-minded HR person. And so I went into HR because I had a passion for people, um, almost became a, a mental health counselor out of school, and mm-hmm. then started managing staff of 50, managing a P&L, and woke up one day and was like, holy buckets. <laughs> I want to go see, I want to go to work. Yeah. I want to go see my clients. And so I made a pivot and went to, went to the business school and got a master's of HR management, which was just the perfect fit and gave me the business education to build off of. But, um, that's great. Yeah. I roll up my sleeves. I get to get to understand the business and the complexity and the intricacies that bring money. So important. So important. Yeah. So now let's talk about the main issue that, business owners are facing these days. And, and there are a lot, but the one that keeps on rising to the surface is how can we get good people? Mm. And when we finally hire somebody, how can we keep them? Yeah. So from your perspective, what what are some of your suggestions to those business owners out there? Yeah, it's a tough market. Um, there are certain pockets in the industries that are out there right now that are just absolutely impossible to fill. You've got accounting and finance right now. There's been a lot of churn over the past couple of years. Yeah. And, and now is this all COVID related or is just sort of the ebb and flow of business? I think it's a mixture. I think COVID had a lot to do with it. You know, folks that, you know, wanted to, wanted to work in a hybrid work environment or wanted to stay home that that caused some turnover uh-huh. where when employers started bringing people back, I think that, you know, it's a struggle. Um, you know, I've got clients, we've got positions. I had one that I just filled that we had open for almost 12 months. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, yesterday I got a call that he's decided he changed his mind. And so oh. it's, it, so the it's client's like, market. what? Come on. Really? Yeah. We're struggling. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it was, it's frustrating, but his, his employer came back and made an offer he couldn't refuse. And so that's one thing that I think is important for business owners to to think about is to understand the compensation market and understand how competitive the market is. Make sure you're paying the right pay, make sure you've got the right incentive structures built to, to be competitive in the marketplace. So that is a great, great point. I just want to dive into that 
quickly because some business owners think, you know, why would I want to pay more if people are just going to leave? You know, why would I want to pay more? It's just going to hurt my P&L. It's, it's going to ruin my profitability. And I think that is a terribly short-sighted view of the situation. Would you agree? It is. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge and the markets move so much. And so, you know, like my company, we use certain market surveys. We have different tools that we use that give us almost on the up to date market data. Mm -hmm. And so and they're what they're doing is they're pulling market information and salary information from companies all over the world. And so it just depends on what geographic area you're in and we can pinpoint, okay, here's what the midpoint is. This is about average. You know, if you want to pay above average, this is what that looks like. If you if you you're wanting to pay where you are, maybe you're below average, and so that means that you're going to struggle to find the right talent. Yeah. So even from, just to apply. Yeah. Yeah. You know, around here in in uh, I say around here Texas, um, although Bucky's has now expanded beyond the borders of Texas, it but has. Buc Bucky's uh, for those who are not familiar with this gas station slash grocery store slash gift gift shop on steroids with the cleanest restrooms and yeah it's it is an Other unbelievable you have to go to a bucky's to really appreciate it you do but the starting wage at a bucky's is like 18 dollars an hour i know so how can how can somebody like a small business owner manufacturer compete with that it's so challenging yeah, it's tough. And I think one thing that, that you've got to look at is to maintain profitability, you've got to, you've got to, you know, Jeff, this is something you and I have worked on in my business is you've got to look at your pricing, you've got to look at the value of your product and figure out how to elevate that, that value. Yeah. And, you know, you've, your as your back office costs increase and your, you know, your burden and your overhead increase, you've got to figure out how to make that money. It's either through volume or through pricing. And so I think that's something that, that, you know, a lot of folks have to kind of look at and figure out. And that's not easy speaking from experience, you know, and no. knowing that I, we provide a premium product to our, to our clients. We, we bring a, a team of HR people for the price of one HR person. And so, but even that's changed. This, the salaries of HR people have gone up. And so I've had to look at that as I'm looking at my pricing. Right. And, um, everything costs more. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. And, and I think that, Now's a good time to raise prices because you've got, you know, what feels like an inflationary situation where, you know, you've got, you know, gas prices on the rise and and everything else that have been going on in the in the nation. And so that's meeting today to see if they're gonna raise rates. Holy buckets. So we could I, be at eight percent for prime. We could be. I hope I hope that the soft landing happens. So <laughs> I'm worried the parachute <laughs> might collapse, but uh but yeah, I, I think that compensation is a big one for business owners and, and it's it's understanding the marketplace and, and you can't necessarily just go out to the web and Google it. Sometimes you need some specialized help to, to go Absolutely. out and figure out what that person gets, is. Get somebody that knows what they're talking about, like yourself and, yeah. and your your company to come in and, and help them make the right decisions. How about benefits? Is that is that important as well? Not just compensation, but making sure that they have some you know, good benefits along with it, vacation time, health insurance, 401k. Yeah, it's becoming more, it's becoming more prominent mm -hmm. in the, in the marketplace and in the need, um, depending on what I would argue that depending on what level of pay you're offering, if you're kind of employing a lot of lower level hourly employees, you, you may not, you know, they, they need benefits, but mm -hmm. it may be more beneficial for them to go to the marketplace than for you to 
take on that burden. Um, but that's part of the analysis that, that business owners need to look at because benefits are not cheap. Um, right. Right. Getting more expensive I, all the time. But I would argue that the, the workforce is feeling more so that benefits should be provided. And um, business owners can do that. You can pass on you can pass on much of the cost to the employee and still offer benefits. But you know, depending on how big your employment group is, it all depends on what the costs are that you're going to be able to get pricing on. Right. And so, 401k is another one that's uh, it's nice. I think from a philosophical standpoint, I'm a big 401k person. I think helping people plan for the long term and plan for the retirement is something that's mm-hmm. that's important. And to get a 401k plan is actually pretty cheap. You don't have to match employee salary or employee contributions. You don't have to do a lot of the things that the big companies do, but it's nice to it's nice to offer four hundred one k. I mean, yeah. I think for my team of my team of six, I think I pay maybe one hundred and fifty to two hundred a month to maintain a four hundred one k plan. And for them, there's some you know security associated with that because mm-hmm. it's it's required not required, but it helps them save. And w- without negotiation, so their paycheck comes that lump sum where that sum goes right into their four hundred one k, and they have some security long term. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful helpful to people. And it makes them feel like, um, you know, if their employer is providing that, they're of value. They feel more mean- meaningful every day, but valuable to the company. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I, I think that again, it's philosophical and in, in one nature as far as just helping to helping to care for your employees in the long term and from a benefits perspective, helping to care for your employees with, with health benefits. And you know, that that comes back around. If your employees are getting their physicals and doing everything they need to, they're hopefully gonna be more healthy and take yeah. less sick time. Right. Um, you know, you talked about vacation or you mentioned vacation. That's mm-hmm. another one as far as looking at what a competitive vacation market is in the space. Again, it's gonna be a little different for hourly versus salary. And uh, you just need to gauge what your business can can afford. Isn't sort of the starting point two weeks though? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's probably the baseline is two weeks of vacation or PTO. Yeah. Okay. And I and I always think back to when it's all said and done. What is your business's greatest, most valuable asset? And I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care if you're in manufacturing, service. I don't care if labor costs is 70% of your total expenses or 10%. People are your most important valuable asset and you've got to take care of them. They're the ones that keep the cogs moving. Absolutely. And it seems like we have sort of fallen short of remembering that. At times, yeah. I think it depends. You know, great leaders, great leaders make sure that they're, they're taking care of their employee base. And, yeah. and I think that's one thing that, you know, you talk about what do we do to retain that talent once they come in. And I think leadership is your number one motivator um, of people to stay. If they love their boss, it makes it a lot harder to quit. And um, people will leave when they don't feel valued, even if they're not, if they're getting paid more, but they don't feel a value, they'll leave, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the old, the old adage is that people don't quit jobs, they quit their bosses. Yeah. Yeah. So how can we as leaders, what are like one or two things that we can do to really help people feel 
comfortable and of value and that, that this is where they belong as, as, as their job goes. Yeah. You know, I just read a book um, by Eric Harkins. He used to be the leader of talent for General Mills. So up in Minneapolis, uh, okay. um, General Mills, the food company, cereal and other types of substitutes that are out there. And his, his books is uh, great leaders. Make sure Monday morning doesn't suck. Love the title. And so I do too. And, you know, it spoke to me whenever I, um, I was actually a gift from someone, but whenever I got it, I was like, okay, you know what? I think this is going to speak to Sluggo. So I think I can, I think I can read it. And, um, but he's, you know, he, he built his kind of basis on how to get, keep and grow talent. And it's all about leadership and it's all about the culture that you build. And, and so I think that, you know, you've got to make sure that you're spending time on your frontline leaders and paying attention to how they're engaging with their workforce. And, and that's going to be a big tell. Um, you know, I, I think the other piece is just getting to understand what your workforce wants and needs and building those plans around that. So, you know, looking and see what they need from a benefits plan, from a 401k plan, from those kinds of things. But then also um, we always forget about training. Oh, good and, point. You know, good one point. of the, one of the concerns that people raise is, my gosh, what happens if I go and spend all this money on getting them trained and getting them, you know, making them better and then they leave. Right. And, you know, what I, I can't remember who to who to who to give reference to on this. But, you know, the the follow up is, well, what if they don't leave and you're not training and you're not improving their capabilities, exactly. you're not improving their skill set and they just stay flat in your organization and right. become, eventually become like a vortex of suckos. It's basically cost benefit. You it know, is. it is and, and so, and the cost associated with that is so much greater. You want to you if you want good people to stay, they have to know what they're doing. They have yeah. to feel comfortable in their job, which is going to help them feel valued. If they don't know, they don't feel like they're adequately trained and they're always struggling. Well, that's not going to be a satisfying experience for them. No, no. And, and you want to develop them. You want them to get better at what they do because, you know, with training comes efficiencies, comes productivity, and hopefully comes a diversity of thought. They come back and they, if it's the right training that you're sending them to, they're going to bring, they're going to bring that knowledge back and apply it immediately. Yeah. And And that's contagious, right? I mean, coworkers are going to see that and they're going to want to be exactly the same, you know, as productive and efficient and, you know educated on their job and do better so it's but it's a very difficult concept i think for business owners and managers to see yeah and i'm calling them business owners and managers as opposed to leaders because not all managers and business owners are really leaders correct correct as we talked about the 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 best engineer doesn't always make the best engineering that's right that's right yeah so in the spirit of game changers Let's transition a little bit uh, throughout your life and growing up and your professional career. Who has it in your life? Who has been the greatest uh, difference maker? Who's been your game changer? Yeah, gosh, I've had I've had many um, that have kind of influenced me throughout my career and throughout my life. But I, I think if I go back and I'm I hate to I hate to sound like a broken record with some of the other folks that have talked on your podcast, but you know the women in my world uh, oh, good. have definitely been the game changers. You know, my mom grew up as a you know grew up as a single mom uh, working in hospice, and she would go and and work. Our job, yeah, just you know, amazing compassion, amazing level of compassion that she would apply to the to the to the patients that she was working with, and and we moved a bunch for her to progress her career. 
And so just to have the courage to just know that, you know what, we've, we've got to take this move. And uh, it wasn't easy. I was moving every two years growing up. Wow. So I wasn't in the military, but it felt like a military, <laughs> military situation yeah. with the amount of relocations. That it's tough as a kid. Reestablishing just have social networks and those kinds of things. But, um, but she did it, she did it to advance her career and take care of us. You know, my brother's got spina bifida and, uh, and she, she managed to, to raise two great kids and, and the, and the nature of kind of being a single mom and, and, and making the moves. And then, you know, she's just, I've always been able to look up to her just with some of the courageous decisions that she's made over her career and over her life. That's awesome. And so, yeah. And, and then I think the second would be my wife. She's the one that, you know, looked at me and basically thumped me in the forehead and said, listen, you've always said you wanted to be a consultant and an entrepreneur and a, a coach when you grow up. So why wait? Why wait till, till later in life after you, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to be tired and old and you may as well do it now while you've got energy and you've got, you know, the... You refuse to get old though. I may get tired, but I'm not going to be old. <laughs> yeah. But that's, yeah. that's good to hear. And I, you know, I, I'm going to concur with you, you know, Diane, my wife is a game changer. She's, she's had such an influence on me. You know, she's the one that said, uh, just like with your wife, uh, do what, do what you think is your purpose, follow your dream, do what is going to make you happy and um, make that create that positive impact on others that you know that you can. So yeah. go do it. Yeah. And it sounds like you had the same situation. Yeah, I did. I That's did. awesome. And um, I couldn't have done it without her and, you know, still can't do it without her. So. She, yeah. Same here. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we'd be lost on our own, right? For sure. So in your opinion, you know, people will be like, well, I want to make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a game changer too. What do they have to do? What do, what would you suggest to those folks? I think take a look at what your passion is and take a look at uh, what you love to do and, and make sure that you're living with that realm. You know, you're playing in those lanes. And yeah. I think oftentimes people kind of get into a rut in their career, get into a rut in life because they're just kind of turning the crank and they forget what it is they're passionate about to, to take from your, your statement just a minute ago is, you know, do what your passion is and do what you're meant to do. And I think oftentimes people get into the career and they either forget, you know, at one point when I was working in my career, I was working 60 hours a week and that's all I knew. And yeah. um, I love what I do. No balance there. No, no. <laughs> and and I loved what I did, but it it put the other passions in, in my life to the side. And so I think it's important for folks to find that balance. But also if you can find something that you're passionate about that you can get paid to do, then you're probably going to be a lot more of a game changer in that perspective. And, uh, Agreed. yeah, I mean, do what you love, love what you do. Absolutely. Wise words, wise words. So now let's, uh, transition a little bit to something a little bit more lighthearted, some fun. Yeah. If you could do, so you just won the lottery. Okay. You just got a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. What, what is Darren Coble going to do? Oh, uh, executive coaching. Um, working with that leaders. says it all. Yeah. That says it all. So no matter how much money you have, you're still going to do what you're doing today. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going that to do is hopefully a lot more of it. Running a business is, uh, is, is it can take away from the time that I've got to do executive coaching, but you know, I do, I take about 10% of profit and apply that to pro bono work for folks that are, you know, 
veterans, um, people of color, women, individual contributors that, you know, may not have access to an executive coach in their career. And so I've been able to, to apply that, you know, fortunately to apply that time to my, to a bunch of my coaching clients. And so. I think it's so important. And so just for everybody listening, if you don't mind, just say that quickly again, because I do think that is so important. We get so entrenched on being successful in business and growing our business, but we have to give back. Yeah. If we don't give back, we're not really, really fulfilling our purpose. So again, you give 10%. 10% of profits I'll apply to coaching contracts and um, often in, you know, they've got selective criteria. They need to be an individual contributor or they need to be a person of color, a veteran or a woman that may not have access to executive coaches. Right. And so either their company wouldn't pay for it, they can't afford it, something to that effect that they're, they're high, high potential or they just need, they need somebody from a coaching as it relates to their career. And so I've been fortunate to be able to take that time and, and provide, you know, hundreds of hours over the last two or three years towards, awesome. towards pro bono coaching. So not only are you a strong and effective leader, great executive coach, your heart is in the right place. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for what and you it's do. It's easy to give when you're doing what you love. I mean, I, I think that's selfishly, I, I wanted to make sure I had enough coaching hours to keep me happy. And that's, this yeah. is one of the way that I've been able to do that. Again, thanks for what you're doing. Yeah. And thanks for coming on Game Changers. It's been a good conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks How do people, yeah, absolutely. How do people get in touch with you and learn more about Versa BP and Darren Coble? Sure. Yeah. You can go out to the website, www.versavp.com and uh, just Versa Business Partners, or you can shoot me an email at darin at versabp.com. Very good. Darren, again, thanks for coming on. A lot of wise words were spoken by you today. Appreciate all the advice and suggestions you've given. And hopefully someday you'll come back on the podcast. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And to the listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in to Game Changers. Another great episode. Darren Coble, wise words. Thanks for being here. Hey, everybody. Today was a great day. And I hope tomorrow is even better. Peace, everyone.